We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Hey everyone, before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take their podcast to the next level, or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On top of all that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple News, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the other listening platforms. The best part is you can get all of this for only 15 bucks a month. That's the same rate any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into this program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more, but it's bwhustle.com slash join. Blue wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway! Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're brought to you by the Blue Wire Network. We're brought to you by Indeed and Bet Online. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm here with Jason Pat. Jason, we are recording this podcast only minutes after the Bulls get their very first win of the year, a 115-107 victory over the Washington Wizards. It was a game between two teams that entered winless. Uh, It was the first game in a two-game series between the Bulls and the Wizards, and the Bulls played a pretty good game. Zach Levine goes off for 23 points, a team high. Kobe White, also a solid night, 18 points, 
six assists, five rebounds. Bulls got some really impressive performances from the veterans on their bench. We'll talk about them more later. Uh, but Jason, Bulls finally get a dub. We didn't know when it would come. Uh, it looked like it could have gotten really ugly just looking at the schedule. If the Bulls didn't win one of these two games against Washington, this comes on the heels of the Bulls getting blown out by the Pacers in the second game of the year and losing just an absolute heartbreaker to the Golden State Warriors. We'll get into that more. Uh, that was a game the Bulls v- very easily could have won. I think it says more about the Warriors than the Bulls, to be honest, because the Warriors uh, are just a disaster right now, absolutely on par with the Bulls. But, you know, credit the Bulls for playing better against the Warriors and credit the Bulls for actually beating a pretty talented Wizards team tonight uh, to get the first win of the Billy Donovan era and the first win of the Arturis Karnaschovas era. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Going back to that Pacers game, they started that game a bit, bit better, and then they just like had a couple really long droughts, and they were facing a, like a thirty point deficit. I think they went like I think the Pacers had something like an eighteen zero run, and it got just out of hand again. Just another complete blowout game. But yeah, the Warriors game they absolutely should have won. That was a disappointing game. It was a hilariously fun bad game between two teams that just did not play well at all. I guess both teams hit a lot of ended up hitting a lot of three pointers, but. Just a lot of dumb stuff, and obviously the Bulls had that game in control multiple times, but the 24 turnovers were ugly, and then they give up the lead late. Damian Lee hits that three-pointer in the final seconds. Yes, it should not have counted because of the last two-minute report said it should have been a five-second call. There should have been a moving screen call with Kevon Looney, whatever. I'm not worried about that. They, the Bulls should not have been positioned to blow that game. They did, and they lost to a, also a struggling Warriors team. Although the Warriors did win the night as well, they were playing a Pistons team who was probably worse than any of these teams, uh, That whether it's the Bulls, Wizards, or Warriors. But yeah, they come out to the, tonight against the Wizards, and they it was another ugly game in the first half. In, again, another game where you can tell why these teams were both 0-3. Uh, there were a lot of air, there were some air balls. There was Raul Nito uh, bricking every wide open three in sight. The Bulls couldn't hit a shot in the paint. They hit, I think they hit like eight threes in the first half, but then like couldn't make anything inside the arc. Uh, so it was only a six point game at halftime. And then the Wizards, they come out, they score the first four points of the third quarter, and you're like, oh, here we go again. Like, are the Bulls about to co- totally collapse here in the fourth quarter or in the third quarter, the second half, whatever? And then Patrick Williams, who had really struggled to that point to start the game, wasn't really close on a few of his jumpers, really just hadn't done anything. He scores three early baskets in the in the third quarter to kind of just stem the tide. And the Bulls just went from there. He had a three-pointer, his big high arcing three-pointer that he likes to shoot. He had one of those, his like patented like mid-range push shot that he he gets so much elevation on that shot. It's absolutely crazy. And then he had a ridiculous putback tip in right over Denny of Dia, the fellow rookie, and that that kind of gave the Bulls some separation, and then they just they just kept going from there. They uh, they, they did not turn the ball over as much in this game. They did they did start to get sloppy in the fourth quarter, but when they did, at that point, they had already gone up by 19 points. They used the 9-0 run to start the fourth quarter to kind of put the Wizards away, and the, the Wizards were absolutely atrocious in this game. I mentioned just a lot of bricks. They had over 20 turnovers. I know Russ hit another triple double, but I mean his lack of shooting just kills that offense. Beal had 29 points, but he wasn't that good, and the Bulls. They stepped on their throat. You mentioned the stuff about the veterans. Uh, we saw Tomas Adaransky, 10 points in the fourth quarter. Otto Porter Jr. Uh, had 14 points in the first half to kind of keep the Bulls afloat when their offense was struggling. Garrett Temple played 29 minutes and had 12 points and was a team high, uh, I think, plus 14. So, yeah, just having those those veterans there to, m- to give the Bulls just some better, more steady options there off the bench, definitely, def- definitely helping matters uh, in this game and some of the other games. I know that's been kind of hit or miss with guys like Temple and Sato struggled last game with some turnovers, but uh, they all played well tonight. 
I know it was again a very a very uh, a Wizards team that is struggling a lot. I said they're zero four with Russ and Beal now. I know Russ missed last game, but that's a brutal start. I'm very curious to see how long Scott Brooks stays. Uh, if, if they keep struggling like this, like they they just look lethargic and sloppy. You'd think zero and three with a bad Bulls team coming in, the Wizards would come would play with better effort, and they they didn't. The Bulls were kind of out, they were aggressive from the start. They were getting to the line. Uh, Larry Markkinen had to leave this game again with that calf injury he had, but he was really aggressive to start the game. His lines not great in his nineteen minutes. He was only three of eight, but he was going right at Davis Bertans, go, putting the ball on the floor, take, trying to take advantage of the mismatches. And the Bulls kind of did that all game. They were aggressive attacking the basket. They took thirty-two free throws. They made fifteen threes, uh, and then they kind of and then they shut down any possible Wizards comeback attempt in the fourth quarter. Instead of totally melting down, they well they did turn the ball over a bit. They shot sixty-five uh, percent in the fourth quarter. So just overall. Uh, a pretty solid effort, not not spotless, but uh, we'll take what we can get at this point, especially after those first three games. And it's nice to get that first win in the Billy Donovan era. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of different ways we could branch off in this episode because we haven't talked about the Bulls since that opening night disaster against the Hawks. But I want to start with Zach and Kobe because Zach and Kobe were just really good in this win against the Wizards. The final line, Zach, 23 points, six assists, five rebounds on six of 15 shooting from the field, three of seven shooting from three point range, eight and nine from the foul line. Kobe was six of 14 from the field, two of five from three, Four four from the foul line finishes with eighteen points, six assists, five rebounds. So I think like when the Bulls are going to win, sort of this is sort of a good uh, baseline of how Zach and Kobe need to perform, right? Like the Bulls on most nights are going to be out talented by the opposition. You would think a Wizards team starting Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal in the backcourt and having Davis Bertans, who's one of the more underrated scorers in the league, that Washington team should have more talent than the Bulls, but. Zach and Kobe were the guys who kind of carried the Bulls to the win in a lot of ways in this one. Obviously, they had a lot of support uh, from the veterans, especially on the bench. And I really don't think the Bulls win this game without the contributions from Sadoransky, from Otto, and from Garrett Temple, all who look great. We'll get to those guys later. But just in terms of Zach and Kobe, I think like they pretty much played in control this game. Both of them looked for their own offense, but were also still like willing passers in a lot of ways. Both had six assists. And I think that, you know, when when the Bulls are going to win, you're going to need these two guys rushing up and down the court, getting a lot of threes. I think the fact that Zach was getting to the foul line tonight, making eight and nine was really big. And I'm just curious, Jason, like, you know, what do you think of the Zach Kobe pairing? Uh, you know, after the first start of the, the first few games of the season. And what did you make of their effort tonight? Yeah, I mean, in general, it's been it's been a rough go of it. I know we know Zach's gonna get his points. Kobe has definitely been very up and down. Uh, he had that awful first game, and he's been a bit better lately. And obviously, tonight they definitely were much better. I think the five turnovers is a huge factor. Again, looking back at that Warriors game, they lost that game because they turned the ball over twenty four times. They shot the ball pretty well. They shot it well from three. They shot it well overall. You turn the ball over twenty four times against a bad defense. Uh, they were getting like stymied by like by some traps and presses. And I think Zach had might have had six or seven turnovers last game. I think Kobe had. Like when those guys are turning the ball over and just like not like forgetting to play basketball. There's there have been stretches where they just have horrible turnovers, horrible passing, and that was just not a problem tonight. They both, like you mentioned, they were both more in control. Uh, had some nice drive and kicks. Again, they only combined for five turnovers. So when you have that assist to turnover ratio of twelve to five, I mean that just looks much better. Obviously, you need to hit shots to pick up assists, but. Uh, just in general, just making nice cross-court passes, making mostly the right reads, and again, just not turning the ball over. 
is just huge because that was, has been a big problem in the preseason. It was a problem to start the season in some of these games. Just just horrible, unforced errors and turnovers uh, has, has killed them. In this game, they did not. And when you do that and you take care of the ball, we know Zach and Kobe can score. And if they can make make the right reads and take and value the basketball, that will help the Bulls' offense a lot. And tonight they were much better against, uh, I guess, I mean, Beal and Westbrook are obviously a very talented duo. At this point, they're not the best defensive duo, I would right. say. So it's, it's not like they were facing uh, the hardest, I guess, the hardest defensive backcourt, the defensive a defensive team in general, just because the Wizards are a bad defensive team. But, yeah. I mean, we, th- that first game of the year was against the Hawks, who are not going to be good defensively against Trey Young, Kobe White was a disaster that game. So, like, at least... Even if even against this competition, it was nice to see Zach and Kobe just both play well together and both p- play well scoring for themselves and distributing to others. Yeah, I mean, three other guys finished in double-digit shot attempts. Uh, that's a good sign. When the Bulls played the Warriors, Zach and Kobe also both had like pretty good games in that one. Zach had 33, Kobe had 20. They combined to take 42 shots in that game, though. And in this one, they combined to take 29. So I felt like... More people were getting involved, but they were still driving the offense. You're absolutely right that the Wizards are a bad defense. And man, the Wizards just look like bad faster. Like they're, I don't know. I kind of thought that the Wizards would be decent this season just so because Westbrook was going to have a lot of spacing. But the early results of this team are pretty discouraging. Uh, I, you know, I want to mention Denny. Like I'm really glad the Bulls didn't take Denny. I think Pat Will looks a lot better than Denny to this point. Now, who knows? Obviously, it's very early. Into I mean, Denny career. looks fine. I just he don't know. Fine, like, but I just don't know if he'll do anything besides like he hit a few open threes. But I mean, he's looking at the box. I mean, I guess Pat Will didn't do that much else besides his baskets. But like, Denny did have four assists. Like, I don't know. He, he looked fine. I just it just seems like Pat Will just projects like he can do more as like as time goes on, especially with defensively and stuff like that. So yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about Pat. Will because let's, I hold thought- on, before, let's, before I guess before we talk about Pat Will and the rest of this game, let's uh, take a quick break. I'll hear, hear from our sponsors indeed and bet online. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site. According to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time. There are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. You can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore total visits. So it's clear that Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. So right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. So try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This offer is valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. The NBA is back in action, and football is heading into the playoffs. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals, the team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. 
You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. So head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use that promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. We are back. Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. Uh, we are talking about the Bulls finally getting on the board with a the victory. They're now 1-3 and three on the season. First one of the Billy Donovan era with their 115-107 win over the Washington Wizards on Tuesday night. We were going to talk about rookie Patrick Williams. I kind of talked about uh, earlier, just kind of the quick recap of this game, how he helped stem the tide in the third quarter with a string of plays uh, as the Wizards had seemed like we're possibly going to make a little run to possibly take the lead in that third quarter. Patrick Williams had some big plays after being quiet. Uh, so I guess, what did you like about Patrick Williams game today and just what you've seen so far this season and his uh, young career so far? Yeah, I think he looked good defensively today. Uh, that's just one thing that jumps out about him. Like, you know, that was a worry, I guess, going into his NBA career is like, where would he play defensively? Did you want him more on the perimeter as a wing? Did you want him closer to the basket uh, to protect the rim a little bit? I think he's, he's, done pretty well hanging on the perimeter but what really impresses me is just how quickly he processes everything like his ability to already make the right rotations and make them on time is just something that like yes he's young but it's sort of just something you're born with I feel like like it's hard to teach being able to process the game read the game in real time and to instinctively react and there were several possessions where Pat Will was doing that defensively uh, being able to, you know, move from assignment to assignment to slide over to cover his uh, spots uh, as a help defender. So I thought he looked really good there. And that shows up offensively, too. So he hit two or three attempts from three point range tonight. Really decisive shooter and decisive player in general. I think like when he gets the ball, he's not like thinking about the shot the way Wendell Carter is when Wendell Carter gets the ball at the top of the key for an open three. Pat just goes for it. He does not hesitate on his shots. No I record he, scratching. I think his shot looks good. Like I was worried it was a little slow of a three point release coming into the league. I haven't really noticed that at the start of his pro career. I think his shot has looked pretty quick. It's looked solid thus far. So it was nice to see him knock down a couple shots today. And then we mentioned or we talked a little bit about Denny, but he had the tip over Denny. That was just absolutely phenomenal. I compared it to Randy Moss on Twitter when I saw it, which was sort of like <laughs> stopped me in my tracks. Denny just or Pat just skied over Denny and got the tip. Really athletic play. If you go to bloggable, Jason wrote the recap. He put that clip in his recap. So check that out. Uh, but I thought Pat was really impressive uh, in this game and, you know, maybe his best game so far. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't even know how he made that. Like when that play happened in real time, I was like, how the hell did that shot go in? Like I, that touch to like go over Denny and just like push that off the glass, like perfectly into the basket was absolutely, it was absolutely incredible. Yeah, definitely one of probably arguably his, one of his better games. Like if you look at his, his, like his overall box score, like obviously not super impressive. It was 12 points, five, 10. You mentioned the two of three from three. That's really nice. He did have two assists. Uh, he didn't really do much rebounding. Like three fouls, whatever. He only played 20 minutes. They gave a lot of minutes to Garrett Temple. I think Billy, it seems like Billy Donovan might be, might be a big fan of Garrett Temple. Uh, I think he, he was going to close with them last game against the Warriors too, uh, just to have that stable veteran presence in there, which I understand. Uh, I'm just looking, looking back at some of other at Pat's box scores. Like again, he is, he's not going to put up big numbers, 
but he did have 16 in that first game. And he's a bit quiet in the, in the last couple of games. He did have three blocks in the Warriors game. That kind of speaks to the defense. That Pacers game was ugly for everybody. Nine points, two of six shooting, four turnovers. Uh, I mean, it's, it's the rookie, the rookie stuff, but the flashes that we have seen from Patrick Williams so far to some of the little plays, the, the and you mentioned I think the the stuff how we like the I mentioned re, the record scratch you mentioned how he makes quick decisions again as we like to do uh, shout out Stefano I believe he tweeted about how yeah here it is he says another, another small thing that I really like about Patrick Williams he plays zero point five basketball you don't see him holding it forever stalling up possessions he decides to pass dribble or shoot within zero point five seconds of catching the ball and it's a great trade to have and that's definitely true like you, the, I mentioned the record scratching that's like when you someone passes out to a guy and then he just like catches the ball and hesitates. And like, instead of either taking the shot, putting the ball on the floor, that's not Patrick Williamson that done that. He had a nice, uh, a drive and kick to, I can't remember if it was Kobe or said, or I was, he had a really nice drive and kick assist in the fourth quarter to help as the bulls were holding off the wizards, kind of making a, t- a semi little run in that fourth quarter. Just the decision-making has been mostly solid. Uh, again, he's not putting up huge numbers. I don't think he's ever going to put up huge numbers this season. I think they're, I think the Bulls will look to be getting the or spreading the offense around as they did today. Uh, but overall, have to like what you see out of the, out of Patrick Williams so far for sure. Yeah, he's the second youngest player in the league besides for Pukashevsky and OKC. So uh, I think Pat looks like he belongs. I think he, uh, you know, he it doesn't look like scared of the moment the way that Carter has at times. He is uh, just generally a pretty decisive player. I think, like Stefan noted, and you did right there. So thought Pat looked good. Uh, should we talk about Lowry? Because Lowry had the injury today. So Lowry only played 19 minutes. He did not finish the game. It's a calf injury. Uh, you know, what, what, what has Billy Donovan said about Lowry thus far? And, uh, you know, I guess he's had a pretty interesting start to the season, Jason, because he entered this game averaging 20 points on like 45% three point shooting, but the bulls were Owen three. Once again, we're having this discussion over how impactful is Lowry, but normally he doesn't even put up numbers this good. So at yeah. least he was putting up some numbers coming into this game. Uh, it'll be pretty interesting to see how the bulls are without him. If he's out for a while. Yeah. It looks like the update after the game was they have to see how it was. He, he hurt this. He suffered this calf injury against the warriors. He did not finish that game. Uh, and then he tried to play today. He was questionable. And he, he plays. Uh, he again. He, he was pretty aggressive to start this game. Uh, and then he tried to come out in the th- uh, out of halftime. And then I think a couple minutes in that third quarter, he had to come out. He just was not feeling comfortable. Uh, this sure seems like a situation where, like, if he tried to play on it today and he couldn't finish, like, he probably should take at least. Like, they have a back to back coming up. Like, I can't imagine he plays both games of that back to back. Maybe he sits out Thursday and then tries to play the next game against. The, I think. They play the Bucks. I think the next night on New Year's Day, uh, that would seem to make sense unless he misses both games. We'll, we'll see how serious it is. He'll obviously get it checked out. I think overall, you have to like at least Lowry's mindset and the way he's playing and the way they're trying to use him. Uh, you mentioned he is shooting well from three, hitting open threes is like the first step. That's like the bare minimum we want him to do, and he has done that so far. Shooting, shooting it really well from three. Uh, they've brought some really nice plays. They, I think they ran an ATO today that they also ran the other day against the Warriors to get Lowry. Wide open three after a timeout and hit it. And he's and his stroke. And we've talked about how his stroke looks good all the time, and he's. It's just been like baffling that he hasn't shot better from three. He has shot really well so far. Even his misses, most of his misses have looked have been in and out or at least really close. Well, that hasn't really haven't been the case before. 
And then, but then besides the three-point shooting, I mentioned the aggressiveness, going to the basket, attacking worse defenders, attacking mismatches. They've been getting switches. that We saw it happen against the Warriors where if they would switch and a smaller guy would get on him, they would try to pound it into Lowry and he would be aggressive going up with it. And that happened again today. He did miss a few bunnies around the rim. That's why he was only three of eight from the field. Uh, but I think just think the mindset in general has been much better. Even with him playing well, you you mentioned like the impact, like again, t- today in 19 minutes, no assists, no steals, no blocks. Uh, he's not really a rim protector. They have been running a lot of lineups with him at center. Uh, they've been, I feel like Wendell and Lowry have had their best time on the court when they've been separate, when they've either had Wendell alone at center and they've been playing like smaller lineups where they have, they go to the Lowry lineup at center. Uh, I mean, maybe that truly is the best way for them because the Bulls starting lineup together has just not been very good in general. Uh, maybe it is better if they if Lowry or Wendell split up, and maybe that is just kind of a sign that, again, it is early, but maybe that they just won't be a long-term duo. I don't know, but it does seem like that Lowry at center has at least opened up things for him offensively. So at least I think they're using him right, and he has mostly taken advantage of that uh, to start the season. So I guess you really can't, you can't complain about that. We'll see about this injury though. So it'll be really unfortunate if he now has another nagging injury. He has not been able to stay healthy in his career, but I mean, overall, I don't think we can really complain about how Larry's playing and how he's being used at least offensively. Defensively is another story. He did have some moments today. He switching on to Bradley Beal where he kind of cut him off on a few drives. So that was nice. But again, he's never really going to be a, a plus rim protector. He's just not that athletic, not, not that long, not just can't really, can't really cover ground and like make those kind of plays under the rim and block shots. But at least offensively, you really can't complain about how he's played so far. I guess other than like he kind of sometimes disappears in the second half, but uh, that might be more of a function of the guard play. Yeah, like I think that you can get away with him maybe at the five if you focus the rest of the lineup on defense. Like you're going to need Otto in there. You're going to need Temple in there. You're going to need Sato in there, I think, when you go to Lowry at the five. Because like you said, he's just not a plus rebounder or a plus rim protector. So you need to insulate him as much as you can. I think it's a good lineup to go to as like a changeup. Uh, just to keep the other team on their feet. I think it's absolutely the best spot for marketing offensively, but it's like, can you actually win those minutes with him at the five? Because he is so poor defensively. It's kind of the question that has hung over his entire career since he's entered the league. Uh, they need to just get keep him shooting well and get him as many attempts as possible. But I got to say, I'm pretty excited to see you know what the lineup looks like if Otto, I would assume, would start in place of Markinen, if Markinen's out, I like the two big wings look for the Bulls. That's really fun with Pat Will and with Otto. Uh, of course, it'll hurt the Bulls bench a little bit, mess up their rotations a bit. But Otto's already playing starters minutes, right? He's playing thirty. He played thirty minutes tonight, uh, and he's been like right around like high twenties uh, for most of the games this year, mid twenties. So. I think that, you know, if Markinen is going to miss time, it's going to show you a Bulls lineup that will be more dynamic than anything we've seen in recent years with two big wings. And uh, I still think Otto's like one of the better players on the team. I don't think he's been quite as good as I expected him to be when they first acquired him. Part of that is because it looks like he's out of shape. And I saw a tweet today that said Otto Porter is listed at 198 pounds. As I pull up no ESPN, way. he's actually listed at 228, which still that that feels probably appropriate, right? Like I would guess Otto's about 230. I mean, he came uh, into the league super super skinny. I feel like I think I feel like he was a string bean. Yeah, I, I, maybe, I, maybe I'm not remembering right, but no, you are. Yeah. You're definitely right. I don't know where that person uh, from Twitter was getting that Otto 198 measurement, but yeah, Otto's huge, right? He, like he's definitely classic modern day four, just in terms of. Uh, 
like what basically what you want out of a four. He's just like a big wing. He's going to give you like not a ton of dribble creation, but mostly a catch and shoot guy. And he's big enough to defend and to rebound and to do all that. So I'm excited for Otto entering the starting lineup. And, uh, you know, you just wonder how Donovan's rotations are going to adjust going forward or if they are going to adjust. So you know. I, I would also mention that I think Thad Young is available. I believe he was available tonight. He did not play tonight, but I think he made himself available. Like, like he's healthy enough now. He had that leg infection. I do not think that I'm curious. I, I don't think Billy would start unless he would. I don't know. Like maybe he really likes Otto off the bench in that type of role. Uh, maybe he would start Thad. I mean, Thad is almost like a big wing at this point. He's like six eight, six nine, and just like a a hoss. Uh, I know he doesn't provide the shooting that Otto does, but I mean, maybe he would just go go to that. Uh, I feel like it would be nice. It might be better to get that to get Otto's shooting and offensive space the floor a bit more than having Patrick Williams and Thaddeus Young. But or maybe you just have those two guys. I don't know. Like, maybe he really likes Thad off the bench or Otto off the bench. It also might depend on I don't know how much. Like obviously, I don't know if Thad's ready to play big minutes, or maybe you start him uh, to, and play him like play him in like a Bogans role or something. I'm not sure, but well, I guess it, it, it will be interesting to see if if uh, Billy plays Thad at all, or I guess just in general if how Thad figures into this rotation. Even when Lowry's healthy, when he's not healthy, uh, I don't know. I feel, he feels like an odd man out at this point. And I, I feel like that's why we thought he, they should have traded him, but especially with Lowry out now, it'll be interesting to see what Billy goes with. Yeah, so I think like what was overwhelmingly obvious or what has been obvious about the start of this season is like the Bulls five man starting lineup, which Kevin Payduck uh, pointed this out, is actually younger than the lineup Wisconsin is starting this year. (laughs) Wisconsin is like a ridiculously old team uh, for the Big Ten and Patrick Williams would be their youngest starter by like two or three years on Wisconsin. So Wisconsin's starting lineup is actually older than the Bulls. I think there's no doubt that if the Bulls ride those starters for the majority of the year, like they're just going to get crushed. The only way that they have any semblance of hope to win some games is for the veterans to stabilize the team. And it's the three guys we mentioned plus Thad. So Jason, from your perspective, like do you want to see the Bulls uh, put those veterans into the starting lineup or let's just say play them even more significant minutes than they've played thus far at the expense of continuing to, you know, play uh, Kobe 35 minutes or Wendell or Lowry 30 plus minutes? Uh, or do you want the Bulls to stick with the core first for development, but also just because, like, if they are going to lose the most games possible, like, that would probably be a good route for, you know, the draft pick, future assets. So to me, that's like sort of the, a question right now with the team is like, is it worth it to play the veterans? I would just say real quick, like even though I do think the team's a lot better with as much Porter Temple and Sadoransky as possible, like also like those guys aren't that good and you're still going to be at a <laughs> massive talent disadvantage uh, against the majority of teams. So I think like in the beginning of the year, you might as well play those guys a lot. It makes things easier. I think on the young core, like when Sadoransky's in there, I think like Wendell just looks better. I think Markinen is getting Markinen and Pat will are just like getting more easy scoring opportunities when you don't fully have to rely on Zach and Kobe to create all the offense off the bounce. So I would like to see more Sadoransky and temple and Porter and like as many 
veteran minutes as you can get out of those guys, and they need to stay healthy. Otherwise, the losses are going to stockpile up real quick. But I would say play those guys because it's a long season. You can always flip those guys at the trade deadline if they look appealing enough to some other team who wants to make a postseason push. And you're going to have like you know the entire period post-trade deadline to improve your draft position, let's say. So uh, I don't know. That's kind of where I'm at right now. I would like to see them... Give put get together as many veteran minutes as possible because I think that you know that's probably the best way to make Wendell's life easier, Lowry's life easier, Zach and Kobe. So uh, curious what you think about that situation. I mean, if you look at the, like the rotation today, obviously with Lowry getting hurt, he only played 19 minutes. That gave a bit more, a few more minutes to Otto, probably a few more minutes to Temple. Like I don't want Garrett Temple playing 30, 30 minutes a game. Uh, I mean, Otto, that's probably fine. We figured out. Thought Otto would play that much anyways as a starter, and he's not starting. But I go off the bench if Otto's playing 25 to 30 minutes. I'm generally fine with that. Like I said, Garrett Temple, 30 minutes a game. Uh, probably don't really want to see that much. But like if him and Sadow are playing 20 minutes a game, uh, and that if that means Patrick Williams is playing 20, 25 minutes a game, I, mean, I think that's generally fine. I mean, tonight, we Levine and Kobe both played, what, 37, 38 minutes. Carter played 34 minutes. Uh, they did play. He did, uh, Billy did go to Gafford once Lowry was hurt, and... He had three fouls in seven minutes. I don't. Th- I don't know how much he'll be in the rotation. Hutch played six minutes, but he was terrible, missing layups. And he did play well last game uh, against the Warriors. Did some nice things off the bench, but I think Hutch should be a uh, like maybe like the t- a tenth guy. Him and like Denzel, like maybe situation like situation based. I feel like the actual rotation should be basically what they have the starting lineup: Porter, and then off the bench you have Otto, Temple, Sato, Thad once he's ready to go, and then maybe your occasional Hutch. Uh, Denzel Gafford minutes, maybe Arch if you really need it, need the point guard stuff like a steady hand. But again, those those are like in case of emergency type guys. I think you have a, a top nine of your starters, and then uh, your four veterans off the bench. I think makes sense. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Uh, I wouldn't. I would still be fine with moving Kobe to the bench. Like if this year does get really ugly, I think it's fine having Kobe in a bench role. Uh, letting everyone else get a little bit more confidence with Sadoransky running the show. So I think it's going to have to be something they think about. And yeah, I still think there's a pretty decent chance that like Otto is the guy who impacts winning the most on the team out of anyone. I don't know if he's necessarily the best player, the most valuable player on the team, but he's definitely up there. Uh, I would love if they could flip him at the trade deadline. I think, you know, whatever the bulls can do to improve the asset asset base this year is like one of the most important things. So I wouldn't mind featuring the veterans a little bit more. Yes, you will win a few more games, but ultimately I don't think they're that good. That it's going to like take them out of top pick territory. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I, was saying, I don't think this should be a tank here. Like I know like these first losing the first two games like they did and then losing to the warriors. Like you're obviously already thinking like, Oh, like tank for the bottom. Like, with the with the way the draft uh, the lottery is set up, and I think just with this season, with I don't think you should be like we should be necessarily like rooting for like a hardcore tank. I think it might just ha- it might just happen naturally because again, like they win they win their first game tonight. It's against a terrible Wizards team. Like we'll see what like this schedule is about to get real real tough here in January. Like unless they really really play a lot better against these good teams, like they're probably going to lose a lot of games and probably will have naturally a decent draft position. But right. I, I I think they should be trying to win like. I don't want them to like. I don't want them to be trying to tank the season from the very start. Obviously, if it goes really, really bad, like they really struggle in January and they're in a deep hole, and it's just like, and you get whatever into the second half of the season, maybe you do start playing for draft position. I don't think they should be trying to like tank the season from the start. Like a team, 
uh, I guess I don't I don't even know if anybody's really trying to do that. You could argue the Pistons probably are, maybe the Thunder, but I don't think the Bulls in at this point should be like really trying to like lose games this season. I think they should be trying to win. I just don't know if they, they probably won't win that that much just because I mean we saw what happened when they played two playoff teams or two just good teams. They got their ass beat and they lost to a Warriors team that played like crap. So uh, they'll probably lose a lot anyways, but. I think they should definitely be trying to run. They should be trying to develop their core, but while also supplementing them with the veterans and trying to win games. And uh, they need to learn how to win at some point. Like this is, I know we've talked about how it's not necessarily year four of the rebuild. It's almost like year one or year zero since it's a new regime or whatever, but like still like at some point, like they need to build some habits. Uh, They need to learn how to win some games, even if they don't win a lot. Like I would like to see, I want to see them at least try for sure. Uh, anything else you want to hit on before we wrap this up? Uh, I think that's basically it. Again, uh, we got the Bulls have one more game of 2020. It has certainly been an interesting 2020. Uh, the Bulls haven't actually played that much, obviously, with the whole uh, the pandemic. The season last season was horrible and ended in March. Uh, and then there was a long time off. We They fired Jim Boylan. They hire a new front office. And now we have a new season where they play a couple games. And now we're going into 2021. And uh uh, again, kind of as I said, like this season has not gotten off to the best start. Even with this win tonight, they do not, they do not look like a team that's really going to threaten that much. Again, maybe we'll see what ha- how the Eastern Conference shakes out. The start of the season has been pretty crazy so far with some of the results, uh, we, some crazy blowouts. Uh, we've we saw the Knicks blow out the Bucks. We saw the Cavs start three zero. I know the Knicks beat the Cavs tonight. Uh, some crazy things around the NBA so far. We'll see how uh, stuff kind of evens out as the time goes along, but. Uh, with 2021 coming up, uh, hopefully at least points the Bulls in a better direction. Again, as we just kind of mentioned, we don't think they're going to win a lot of games, but if they can at least be entertaining and play better basketball, even if their results and losses, if they can, whether it's we see Patrick Williams' development, whether that's building trade value for guys, even to build that asset base, as you mentioned, it would just be nice to see the Bulls take a step forward in terms of asset base, in terms of actual development and Pick a, some type of direction. I, get, I hope 2021 is a season where we see this new front office really pick a direction with this core and whether that's blowing it up, whether that's moving forward with this, if they actually do better than we expect. Uh, I hope that uh, we just see some, uh, I guess, changes for the better, depending on what that exactly is. We don't know, but uh, looking forward to a better 2021 than 2020. Was 2020 uh, has been mostly shitty just in general pandemic obviously but for the chicago bulls it was also uh last season was terrible now we have this fresh start with this new regime and hopefully uh changes will be coming for the better we'll see i know the season hasn't gotten off the best start do you have any final thoughts here uh, uh, as we wrap it up final thoughts even though i was a lot more pessimistic than most people i talked to about the bulls this season i think you know in general what we've seen from the first four games even though they won tonight still they look like one of the worst teams in the league i think for sure it's still nice to have the Bulls back. Like, I've enjoyed watching the games. I'm still rooting for the players on the team. Uh, I, maybe it's just because we did this podcast for nine months without a game. But it's <laughs> nice to finally have some games to talk about. And we're going to have a bunch coming up. The Bulls play a stretch of three games, three games in four days. Uh, so they have Washington on Thursday again at the Bucks on Friday and then Sunday versus the Mavs at home. So uh, the games are going to be coming fast and furious now as they try to squeeze in the 72-game schedule. Uh, I mean, the biggest thing is just keeping everyone safe from COVID because there's still just so many deaths every single day from the virus. So that is, you know, a extremely unfortunate backdrop to all this. Uh, 
but in terms of the basketball, I think it, it's good to have the Bulls back uh, just so that we finally have some new stuff to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say, like, I feel like I like most of the guys on this team. Like, I'm definitely rooting for them. Like, there's always, I feel like there's usually guys on, like, past Bulls teams where I just, like, can't stand them. And, like, I, like, I don't want to say, like, want them to do bad, but just, like, sometimes it annoys me when they do well. Like, I feel like this team is pretty a pretty likable bunch of guys. Whether they're actually good, again, like you said, it doesn't seem like as a group they're going to be that good and they're going to lose a lot of games. But, like, I'm rooting for all these guys, and it is nice to see them back in the court again. I guess one final thought. We didn't really talk about Wendell that much today. He has looked much better the last two games, so that's at least nice to see after those fir- the first two were obviously just atrocious after a bad preseason. So maybe he's starting to figure it out again. Uh, he had another two, another double double today, second straight. So that's nice. Hopefully, he can carry that over into the new year, twenty twenty one, coming up in a couple days. Uh, so that's it here for us at Cash Considerations Chicago Bulls podcast. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. As we mentioned at the top, Blue Wire Hustle. Check that out. We will have a description with more information about that in our uh, in this for this podcast in the box in the info box. Uh, shout out to our other sponsors, Indeed and Bet Online. And uh, we have obviously so many great podcasts across the Blue Wire Network. We got with NBA back, so many good pods, NBA pods. We got um, NFL playoffs coming up. We have NFL pods as well. Uh, so that's fun. And so I guess, again, that's basically a wrap for 2020 here at Cash Considerations. Uh, as always, rate and review us. Let it, Give us feedback. You know where to find us on Twitter. We're... Uh, Wherever you listen to your podcasts, we're on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all those fun places. So uh, that's a, again, that's a wrap for 2020. Let's look ahead for 2021. Happy New Year, everybody! Uh, and I'm hoping the Bulls can bring us at least some joy in 2021. Because I know the Cubs are already ruining me. The Bears will probably stick a dagger in us against the Packers this weekend, but we'll see. So again, Happy New Year, everybody, and take it easy. We'll talk to you guys next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.